From Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. And here we are rocking it on the Automotive ADHD Show, heard around the world as a podcast here in Southern Colorado on the radio. Matt West here hanging out with you talking cars. I've got a packed show for you. We're going to talk about the new Ford Bronco and how an engine failure is plaguing the new Broncos. This is maybe not news, but the news now is that the feds are getting involved in launching an investigation into it. Um, Now, one of my friends recently bought a Bronco um, on my recommendation, and it was still a good buy because of one decision. One recommendation I made uh, made this Bronco a good buy, and it is not affected by the engine problems, amazingly. So I'll tell you about that and maybe give you some of my buying advice um, if you do desire Ford's new off-roader Um, I, there's a good way to do it without worrying about the engine problems. I'll tell you about that. Um, we're also going to talk about, um, a, we're going to give you an update on the United Auto Workers Union strike. Um, and, uh, I talked about that last week and I'm going to give you a little, there's a little bit of news has happened since then, but the strike, at least as of, as of this is still ongoing. Um, and then I'm also going to talk about, um, how if you have a BMW, it might be literally killing your iPhone. (laughs) It's amazing that we live in a world where this can happen. Uh, So we're going to get to that. We're going to get to your car sounds. I have a number of uh, exciting announcements uh, for the show this week and some some good news, um, some tragic news and uh, mostly good news. Uh, And the tragic news isn't really all that tragic. Um, It's uh, uh, one of one of the cars in my fleet has been struck and struck and down by the powers that be. So we'll <laughs> we'll talk about that. I got a, I got a story there. So we'll get to that. Um, before we do, though, I do want to talk about this show and the future of this show. It is going to be um, on the radio now on a new radio station. Um, in addition to the radio station, it's already on. We're not like pulling back, you know, not for the moment, just kind of like expanding in terms of um, uh, the automotive um, the, the questionable automotive decisions in terms of that, we're expanding those on all of the radio stations here. I'm going to take over the radio in Southern Colorado, create a radio empire, um, and where people listen to my poor automotive choices. So <laughs> I don't know what I did to convince the program directors, um, at 1460. Um, what, I, I don't know what I did to convince them of this, but, um, they decided to let me on the air. Uh, and that's going to start here soon. That's going to start um, this Sunday, October the 8th at 6 p.m. That's going to be the regular time slot. So it's going to be Sundays, 6 p.m. on AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. Really excited for that. Really grateful for that, too, honestly. Um, and it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So you should tune in on AM 1460 if you're in the Springs. Uh, you can also tune in on the stream. And, of course, the show then becomes a podcast after the fact. So um, if you tune in on the podcast regularly, well, uh, hey, nothing's going to change for you. Maybe some uh maybe there might be some fun additions to the show um in terms of the radio show so uh that's going to be cool the other exciting announcement is i'm going to be at the sixth annual honda charity show as a sponsor on that same sunday um just a little bit before the show that show if you're in colorado springs why not come out to the uh annual honda charity show it's at mike marooney honda here in the springs and uh why not come out there it's uh it's going to be really cool uh if i'm correct it's uh it's going to be a great 
great car show with lots of Hondas. That's that's kind of the gist of it here. So, um, and what's interesting as a sponsor of the show, they said, okay, you get a tent, a table, and you get two cars that you can have under your tent and table. You have to bring two, by the way, and get this, they both have to be Hondas. Yes. Um, now I have the S2000, the Student Driver S2000. So obviously that's coming with, and and honestly, that's one more Honda that than you would probably expect the Toyota fanboy like me to have. <laughs> that's one more Honda than than I would have anyway. But um, the second Honda, it left me wondering. It's like, well, what, what do I what do I bring for that? So a buddy of mine volunteered his Honda, and you're gonna be. I'm gonna keep this a secret and tell the show. I mean, you're gonna be mind blown by this Honda. This will be. Staggering. People will be dropping everything at the show to look at this Honda as opposed to all of the other Hondas, including my S2000 parked next to it. So anyway, I'm going to keep that a secret. You'll find out about it if you come to the show or, you know, hey, if you listen to this show um, on the radio after the fact, you will uh, you will find out again. This show is going to be on the radio. 1460. The answer. 6 p.m. Sunday. Check it out. Can't wait to uh, can't wait to debut it there. So um, I still have more news, but I can't. I can't, I can't overload this with news here, so you'll, I'll, I'll tell you here in a little bit uh, some other exciting things. But I got to talk about this first here in the first half of the show. Um, not a car, an airplane. I have talked about airplanes before. I guess it's the automotive ADHD and sometimes automotive aeromotive airplane ADHD. Um, this is interesting. Um, an Airbus A320 the other day had to perform an emergency landing in Russia in an open field outside the Russian city of Novobrisk, Novosibirsk. I don't speak Russian, so um, that's not how you pronounce it, but that's how I'm going to pronounce it, Novosibirsk. Um, and uh, so they landed outside the Russian city, and uh, <laughs> they, they had a, they, okay, so they had a hydraulic failure, but they landed, no injuries, everyone got off the airplane, they got to use the fun slides to get off the airplane, that's great. Um the problem now is there is an Airbus stuck in this muddy field. If you know anything about Russian, the topography in Russia, um, they have lots of mud, lots of muddy terrain. And this plane is now stuck in the mud with front landing gear that is also stuck in place. So when they were flying, they couldn't retract the front landing gear. They had to do a, um, uh, a go around. Uh, for their landing, so they aborted the landing and did a go-around and discovered, uh-oh, our gear doesn't come up. That's a problem. Because the gear didn't come up, and because they had to do a go-around and go to a different airport, divert to another airport, uh, they burned more fuel than expected because of the drag from the landing gear that wasn't going up. At least, by the way, if you're going to have your landing gear stuck, I guess the down position, like when you're landing, that's probably the best way to do it, as opposed to having your landing gear stuck retracted inside the airplane. That's probably less fun. So they did that. They ran out of fuel because of that, landed in a muddy field. Well, now this airplane is stuck there. It's, an, like I said before, an Airbus A320. And the challenge is because of sanctions placed against Russia because of the Ukraine conflict, um, they can't really get more of these airplanes. So previously, this happened to another aircraft a few years ago um, in Russia. And it had to make an emergency landing and couldn't take off there. So what do you do if you land an airplane, emergency land an airplane, and now you can't take it off? Well, they they just scrap the airplane. It's like too expensive and convoluted to try to pick it up and move it or try to take off with it, especially if it's got a mechanical malfunction. So they tend to just scrap the things. But the problem here, because Russia can't get more of these things, they are now committed to keeping the airplane and they don't want to scrap it. And they say, get this. That they're just going to wait for winter to come when the mud freezes and then they'll take off because that seems like a 
safe idea. Seems like a seems like a totally reasonable. Yeah, the mud will freeze. Just just wait until winter time. There won't be any problems. That'll be a smooth takeoff. That's um, <laughs> honestly, I uh, I I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if anyone's ever done this. So um, you know, because Airbus A320s don't usually take off from fo- frozen tundras in you know Siberia or whatever. Um, and, uh, at the very least it would be good if someone gets a video of it taking off. And it's also weird seeing some of the photos that have come out. Um, now bear in mind, this is Russia. So you have to question like how much of the photos are true, how much of it's set up. You never know, but of those photos, it's very odd seeing this Airbus, a commercial airliner in the middle of a field that's surrounded by a forest. And I'm no pilot, but looking at the field that there's no way there's just, I, there's no way you've got enough takeoff room, in my opinion, um, for this thing to get up in the air. Not alone, or let alone the fact that they're going to be taking off in an unfamiliar condition on frozen snow and ice, not a smooth runway. I, You know what? I don't know. But then again, this is also the country that brought you the amazing um, uh, communist cars, uh, you know, such as the Lada. And so this is, uh, <laughs> granted, an Airbus A320 is far from a Lada, so we'll see uh We'll see what that we'll see what that does, I guess. So hey, don't go anywhere. Gonna give you an update here after the break on the United Auto Workers strike, and we're gonna talk about Ford's engine problems in the Bronco. Stay tuned right here. Ladies and gentlemen, the Speed Council proudly presents Automotive ADHD now on video. For better or for worse. Subscribe to Automotive ADHD now playing on YouTube and Rumble. All right, a encore performance of the snowmobile sounds that Landon sent into the show. Um, I know, uh, Landon sent me like a dozen car sounds and two weeks in a row now. I play the snowmobile sounds. Come on. I know. What kind of car show is this, man? I don't know. But that being said, um, Landon's got some good car sounds. And I'm kind of, to be honest, I'm kind of saving them for the radio show. So uh, anyway, there you go. We get the snowmobile sounds two weeks in a row. That's okay, though. You know, hey, snowmobile sounds are fun. Reminding us that winter is coming. And it's already cooling down here in uh, Colorado. I uh, I dare I say, I almost turned the heater on in my truck the other day. Uh, it was in the other morning. It's dropping down into the low 40s in the mornings now. So yeah, fall is here. Colors are changing. And Colorado, we get like two seasons. We have summer and winter. And then there's like a week of fall between that and a little week of spring, maybe two or three days in the, in the earlier part of the year. So um, anyway, Thanks, Landon, for sending those car sounds in. Thank you for sending the huge number of car sounds in. I promise I'll get to those. And Landon did receive his automotive ADHD stickers and keychains, happily so. So I'm glad those made the uh, those made the trip out there uh, as well. Now, remember, if you've got car sounds, you can send them into the show, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. You can also email me, Matt, at throttlewarrior.com. So I promised you some talk about Ford, and, um, you know, I've, I, I've been kind of critical of Ford lately for a number of things except for the the new uh the new Mustang the crazy GT3 race car one that no one's going to get to buy. I mean that one's cool but no one's going to get to buy it. Um the Ford Bronco has had some engine issues over the past uh, uh couple of years now since it came out and there is a new investigation that the NHTSA the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration they're responsible for you know like crash tests and things like that. They're doing an investigation on that new Bronco. Uh, because of engine issues. Now, a few years ago, we even heard of some early engine issues. The en- the issues 
um, seemingly are related to the V6 models, and they relate to the valve train, typically. Um, namely, the, the valves stop being in the cylinder head, and they decide that they want to go, you know, meet the piston, have a romantic relationship with the piston. So um, that's not good, by the way. When your valve stops being in the cylinder head, um, it's, that's bad. Like, because there's only one place for it to go because of gravity and stuff. You know, when it, it's no longer there in the cylinder head, it goes down to the piston, then gets smashed back up into the cylinder head, destroys your whole engine. Um, there's there's pretty much no saving that. I mean, it's just a catastrophic engine failure. And the problem is, you know, people are saying, well, it's a safety problem now. That's why the NHTSA is looking at it, because this can happen uh, on the highway at speed, and it's not going to necessarily lock the wheels up or anything, but you're going to lose engine power completely and have to pull off onto the shoulder if you can make it to the shoulder. And that that's still dangerous, right? I mean, people get, uh, you know, people are killed on the shoulder um, every year. Um, you know, it's it's not safe to be there. It's it's safer than being in the middle of traffic, but still not very safe. So it is a, it is absolutely a safety concern. Now, the um, vehicles uh, that are affected here are the 2021 to 22 Ford Broncos uh, with the 2.7 liter V6 and the 3 liter V6 EcoBoost engines. Um, also, those engines, because it's Ford, they use those engines in other places. The 21 to 22 Ford Edge, Explorer, F-150, Lincoln Nautilus, Lincoln Aviator, all affected. And um, and so there's an ongoing investigation here that's, by the way, about 700,000 uh, 700, vehicles that are affected in total. Um, and that's not good, especially with Ford, you know, and the new Bronco, the new Broncos. I mean, they haven't been able to keep them in the showrooms. People are buying them so fast. And it's never good to have uh, a major concern like this. And um, according to Lewin Day, hat tip at the drive uh, to Lewin Day, um, the the issue is related to a material that is actually used in the va the manufacturing of the valve. So essentially what happens, Ford believes that the defective valves are failed because of manufacturing issues tied to um, this thing they call silchrome light alloy. Um, and uh, this silchrome light alloy is is part of the valve it's it's part of the metal that's used in it and apparently if during the machining process when they actually machine the valves if it gets too hot it can get brittle and that apparently is what's happening and um after 2021 ford started manufacturing valves using a different alloy creatively titled silchrome one which doesn't make much sense because the first one's silchrome and then Silchrome 1. Wouldn't it be Silchrome 2? I don't know, but they say it doesn't have the same issue. Problem is, in 20 vehicles manufactured in 21 were probably sold in late 22 for you know all practical purposes. So um, a lot of vehicles are affected here. And if you have a Ford Bronco and you still have your engine, good on you. Good on you. Just know that it's a ticking time. <laughs> it's a ticking time bomb. Get away from that thing. Um, or, well, it's obviously Ford's replacing these under warranty. And it sounds like if the NHTSA is getting involved, then it's very much probably going to turn into a safety recall um, as well. Meaning Ford is obligated, warranty or not, to fix this for you. So um, now that being said, um, I made some car buying advice um, a, probably several months ago, this might have been last year here on the show, um, and that car buying advice 
was if you're going to buy a Bronco, don't buy the V6, which that was that came to the chagrin of many of my my listeners who are all, yeah, V6, turbos, power, great, I love it. Uh, I agree with you. The V6 is always a great option, um, you know, second to a, a V8, but, you know, you're not getting a V8 in those. Um, but I recommended getting the 2.3 liter turbo inline four and, you know, not even on this basis, but that ended up being a good recommendation completely by accident in true fashion for this show. I made a good recommendation on accident. That's probably the only other way I'm making good recommendations. But um, that that's because the, the four cylinder, the 2.3 liter EcoBoost 4 is not included in this investigation. It doesn't have the same valve issue that either of the V6 options have. Um, not only that, my recommendation was based at the time on the fact that the um, the the EcoBoost makes a decent amount of well, they're they're actually technically all EcoBoosts. Let me stop myself there. The EcoBoost four cylinder makes three hundred horsepower and three hundred and thirty five pound feet of torque, while the V six, the two point seven liter option, uh, makes three hundred and thirty horsepower and four hundred and fifteen pound feet of torque. So close to the same amount of horsepower 30 horsepower difference that torque obviously is what you really feel behind the wheel and there's a hundred foot pound torque or less than 100 maybe about what is that 90 foot pounds of torque difference the thing is with a factory backed tune a factory backed ecu tune that you can get flashed onto your ecu at the dealer it ups those power numbers to being almost identical and it brings that that boost um that that boost comes in on the four cylinder really hard really fast brings that torque in nice and low i mean there's so much you can do now with a turbocharged engine you know it's not the days of old where a turbocharged engine had loads of lag and a bunch of power up top you can really tune these things to have that torque down low and rep kind of replicate the feel of a higher displacement engine with not just more peak horsepower but more torque overall and uh, that's what you can do with the four-cylinder um the the four-cylinder ecoboost in the bronco and that's what i recommended to to listeners because um you can get very close to that v6 torque and power with a factory like that factory tune comes with the warranty and everything it doesn't void your warranty and not only that the vehicle is actually lighter in the front which is a good thing in this case uh it gets better gas mileage the four-cylinder for a trail ready type of rig is way easier to work on compared to the v6 i mean the the ecoboost sixes are crammed into that engine bay and you got to fit the turbos on either side of it and yes you can work on them but it's not as easy as a four-cylinder everything on the four-cylinder is up front and on the side you can access it all um granted the four-cylinder ecoboost isn't as friendly to work on as the you know legendary toyota 22r engine you know or you know even anything like that but by being an inline design you've got less spark plugs less stuff to deal with um you know it's to me a better drivetrain for this application even though technically well it's not the v6 it doesn't sound like the v6 i don't know to me i'm not buying a v6 for the sound i'm not i mean to me the v6 sound it's all right it's all right. It's no V8, though. So, I mean, you're already compromising on the cool sound by going to the V6. Um, and so what? You're going to the, the inline four. It is what it is, right? So that's that was my recommendation there. And one of my friends recently purchased a brand new Bronco um, and uh, with the Sasquatch package and all of that stuff um, and took my advice on getting that that uh inline four and um they're very she's very happy with it she loves the thing really happy with that choice um and also happy that she doesn't have to deal with the um the valves falling out of the cylinder head that's a 
That's that's a little bit of peace of mind right there. Oh, and did I mention if you get the four-cylinder one, the four-cylinder Bronco is the only one offered with the super cool trick seven-speed manual transmission. Come on, they didn't put that in the V6. I'm just that's a crime, by the way. That is a crime, but it is a very cool transmission. Um, so anyway, hey, there you go. We're going to talk about that United Auto Workers Union strike and play more of your car sounds and also talk about BMW and how they're breaking your iPhone, of all things. That's going to come up right here after the break on Automotive ADHD. Don't go anywhere. And now for how things work with an engineer. Rotary engines. Regret. And that was how things work with an engineer. More of how things work can be found at facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. All right, there we go. More flat six noises from OBD1 Kenobi. Yeah, gotta love that. I'm I'm kind of paying him back for the fact that I borrowed his uh, lift in his garage uh, the other day to fix my, am I allowed to say it, to fix my Toyota? I, I, I know, my, my Tacoma specifically, my daily driver. I have somehow, you know, despite preaching that Toyota can do no wrong and that they are the god of the automotive industry, I have somehow managed to... To break my Toyota, I, I can I, I can't say that too loud, can I? Um, and uh, so, just do do I retract my opinions that Toyota can do no wrong? Of course not. Of of course not. I'm going to keep the same opinion, um, for fear of being smited by the Toyota gods and really having everything go wrong. So my opinion <laughs> remains unchanged. But I I don't talk about my cars a whole lot, but I managed to um in the same week seize a brake caliper. And snap a leaf spring on my truck. I was, I'm not even doing anything crazy. It's the daily driver. I, I don't know what I'm doing to it. Um, the the seized brake caliper, I went to go for the brakes. And then the driver's side one just kind of didn't let go. So um, anyway, I replaced that brake caliper. And I discovered while under the truck doing some other preventative maintenance um, that the leaf spring uh, in the rear on the driver's side uh, was, uh, well, it was missing the leaf pack in there. One of the leafs was snapped. It was gone. It was it's just not there anymore. It's like, okay, um, you know, but that being said, it's, it's a good reminder that whenever you're under your own vehicle to do kind of an inspection, look everything down, see if anything looks out of place. Um, so um, anyway, there you go. I guess uh, sort of a sort of a good reason, too, to keep your uh, daily driver. Am I allowed to say this as well? In addition to criticizing the Toyota gods, I might also say it's not a bad idea to keep your daily driver fairly stock. Um, and I, I can hear you getting the pitchforks and, and the torches already. But the reason being is because I was able to find another set of leaf springs for 50 bucks because so many people lift their Toyotas, their Tacomas, that they buy the truck brand new. And within a thousand miles, they've lifted the truck and the, therefore they have aftermarket leaf springs on and they have their factory ones lying around taking up room in the garage. And I was able to find someone who did that. They sold me the leaf springs for 50 bucks. I fixed it. No problem. Um, and uh, is that is that a, another piece of sensible uh, recommendation that I'm allowed to have on the show? I've made two fairly sensible recommendations on the show today. One, obviously, earlier about the Bronco, kind of by accident, but that still counts, I guess. So, um, 
I think that's that's clearly too many. That's clearly too many sensible ideas. Um, I'm not allowed to do that. I'm only allowed one per show. So um, I will probably be smited by the Toyota gods uh, in short order. So um, anyway, uh, there, there you go. Got to talk quickly about the United Auto Workers Union here. Um, just a quick update on that. As the, the strike has been going on now for a couple of weeks, General Motors has uh, proposed a um an offer at least they haven't said what that included and they're not saying if that's actually what the strikers are asking for um but the fact is um general motors uh has has lost uh, according to uh chris isardor hat tip cnn for this uh 200 million dollars um, because of the uh, because of the strike, which is a staggering amount of money. Um, and, and that just is one of the things. That's how strikes work. You know, the workers all decide to not go to work and the company loses loses money. Um, and there's a lot of political opinions um, going between this. Uh, we had political opinions, uh, obviously, with uh, former President Trump visiting the, the workers on strike, uh, current President Biden also visiting, visiting them. So um, my job, at least right here, right now, is not to not to get into that argument. Um, you know, whether, OK, should they go to work? You know, should they just go to work and suck it up or should they get paid more? Can the economy support that? Where's the problem at? We'll we'll talk about that later, perhaps. But um, the fact is, I will say, regardless of what's going on with the strike, this hurts all of us as consumers, though, even if we're not. The point I made last week was that even if we're not buying a new car, this still affects us because workers at the parts distribution centers have gone on strike as well. And uh, specifically some General Motors parts distribution centers that also supply parts for non GM stuff, if you can imagine that. So. Um, you know, that's one of those things here that, um, you, you know, it affects us even if we need parts to keep our old cars on the road. And it's also going to affect the economy here. Maybe not right away. Uh, it's definitely going to affect the car market because uh, in likelihood, all likelihood, the car market's not going to, you know, the demand is not going to go away, but the supply is going to be cut down drastically because, you know, these supply cuts that we see here, because they're not making cars and they're not making parts and they're not doing all this stuff. Um, we see that now that's going to we're going to feel those effects six, eight months, a year down the road, because all the dealership inventory right now is stuff that was made six, eight months, you know, a year ago. So we're going to see that uh, eventually here. And it, it's probably going to be very similar to during the COVID pandemic when uh, when we had that same thing happen. Um, you know, we felt the effects of that much later after the production had actually uh, resumed. They, they had, there was a lot of catch up that had to happen there. So um, interesting to see where this will go. If you I want to hear from you on this. If you work in the auto manufacturing industry, I want your opinion. Let's get let's get you on the show even. Um, you know, message me on the Facebook page, facebook.com com slash automotive ADHD. Send me an email. Share your thoughts on the Facebook page if you don't want to come on the show. But if you do, and if you work specifically in the auto manufacturing side of things, I really do want to hear from you, whether you're a union member or not. I'm, I'm curious of your opinion. Let's get you on the show. So uh, last thing I got to talk about here, I, I've, I've got a couple minutes left. I wanted to squeeze this in. If you have a BMW, um, well, there's a chance that it's going to blow up your brand new nice expensive iPhone 15, specifically a problem related to iPhone 15s and BMW owners. So I, I figure the sort of people dropping $1,000 on the iPhone 15, there might be some overlap there. They, they might own, some of these people might own BMWs. Side note, I, I don't get the titanium thing on the new iPhone. Like the titanium's there because it's light and it's strong. 
I don't care how light the phone is. It, like, my existing iPhone, the previous one, is it's light enough. It's not like I've never thought, oh, gee, my phone is so heavy. No, the titanium's just there because, eh, marketing. Oh, yeah, it's titanium. I, 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 that's one of those things. Like, titanium on, like, speed parts for cars, race cars, yeah, it's lighter and it's stronger in many cases. And that's, that's good on a race car. On a cell phone, who cares? Does it actually make the phone operate faster? I don't think so. Um, so side note, side tangent there. But what's happening is that um, users uh, are experiencing issues while charging their iPhone because what happens is the BMW's charger, the the wireless charger, is, uh, I guess, incorrectly sending in the wrong kind of voltage or something's happening here where it's wigging out the iPhones. Um, and uh, they'll say that the uh, the phones experience uh, recovery mode. They get a white screen. Some of them may even have their phones bricked and messed up. Uh, and uh, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is one of those things. Um, uh, you know, the irony here, too, is that BMW offers a smartphone app so you can use your iPhone as your key, your digital key to get into your car. Um, which I fundamentally disagree with that. There's all sorts of issues there. There's, I mean, there's security issues when you think about the data mining that auto manufacturers are doing these days. I'm going to talk about that on the new radio show coming up uh, next weekend, by the way. Your security, your data, how automakers use that. But um, the biggest uh, you know, issue I have with using your phone as a key to your car is that you can't put the automotive... ADHD keychain on it. Like if you don't have keys, what what are you going to put the keychain on? That's the biggest problem. The second problem here is that um that the uh the iPhones are are getting messed up by uh by BMW chargers and uh like first problem here, first problem is that uh, um that the number one issue is that you bought a BMW if you have this problem. Um, number two issue is that you bought a $1,000 smartphone that's made out of titanium that doesn't even need to be made out of titanium. That's the second issue here. Um, so I think I think we could resolve this issue because it's also apparently burning out the NFC radio in the phone that even lets it be a key or do tap to pay or do these different things with the phone. So um, is, is BMW going to warranty your phone? Is Apple going to warranty your BMW? I think the answer to those is neither. Um, so uh, the solution here, uh, don't buy either uh, an iPhone or a BMW. Or if you do, just, just buy old ones. I don't know. <laughs> hey, by the way, really excited to launch the new radio show. Remember to tune into it this Sunday, October 8th, 6 p.m. on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. Also remember to download this show or find podcasts and this one are downloaded. And I'll see you next week.